Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. And Benjamin Holden. Today's episode has a surprise. Yes, today's episode <laughs> does have a surprise, Lucy Davis, you are correct. <laughs> so I just thought we are in, this is season four now? Season four? We're well in season four. Yes, but I thought we'd, we've been building up the set and unfortunately again today I can't have a monster drink just because my... My stomach's been quite bad again. I think that's actually better for you green, though. Peppermint. Green tea. Oh, oh is peppermint it green tea? tea? Peppermint tea, you're right. Peppermint tea is actually, I think, a really good tea yeah. choice for peppermint your stomach. Tea. So today, before we get into the, the other stuff, we've got a big surprise. We've got an addition to the podcast set. What do you mean an addition though? We've got an addition to I the podcast set. I know it's right set. behind me basically. Yeah. If, you're... Oh, yeah. if you're watching, Lucy hasn't seen what's behind us. So if you're watching the YouTube channel now, you'll be able to see what is behind Lucy. Yeah, and if you're not, pause what you're on now and go over to the YouTube video. I'm really oh, nervous. I feel like it's like on me. Okay. It's like when you had, when I thought that was a dildo. So this is on Lucy's side of a desk. Little gift that I bore. Do I turn around now? Ready? Ready? Should I shut my eyes? No, I'm going to count down to three and then you can uh. walk. Three, two, <laughs> one. <laughs> so good! Oh so my God! So it's signed by The Rock. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's signed by Auli Cravalho as well. <laughs> and Tamara Morrison, Jeremy Clement and Nicole Schwenziger. <laughs> oh my God, I was not expecting that. Do you know what I was expecting? I thought it was going to be our podcast picture yeah. on a canvas. So I got it shipped over from America <gasps> about a week is... ago. Oh, it's really great. There's your certificate of authenticity. That's the rock signature. Dwayne Johnson, how sick is that? This is the best thing ever. It feels like Christmas. <laughs> what the hell? That is honestly, I'm in shock. I really thought it was going to be our podcast logo blown up because you said you were going to get yeah. that done. Wow. How cool is it? I'm friends with The Rock. How amazing <laughs> that is that? Though? So, that is unbelievable, guys. If you're literally, Cal, how much can you see it on the, can you see it? Yeah. Oh my god, guys! If you're not on the YouTube channel, go across because I thought it was cool anyway, just because the colours went with the not so fake couple sign, but then obviously the big man signed it as well. I really that feel has that has been in the rock hands. I really feel like it's it's given a lot to the office and the yeah. podcast studio as well. And also, obviously, Moana's like your favorite Disney film. It is my favorite Disney film. I don't know what to do with my certificate. Should I frame this one as well and just put? That I was on? considering doing that and putting it underneath or putting it somewhere. Wow, this is a really a lot for me to absorb. I think I need a break. <laughs> oh my God, I really though was not, I really thought I knew what it was and I yeah. thought it was the white picture of the podcast blown up, the one that we had designed. So you're not expecting it? No? What do you mean? Add some, add some character and cold, doesn't it, to the, uh, to the room. Yeah, well, it also kind of goes really well with the room because if you have seen our office and podcast set up before, we've got obviously the blue colour of the podcast and the walls are kind of a, I'd say like a dark, smoky grey but then we have the wooden panels and then this is just goes so well. Yes. So if anyone is not watching on YouTube, it is a huge blow up poster framed of the oh Mo Moana art uh, for the movie. Wow. It's signed by The Rock and then also the main uh, voice who, do, who does uh, Moana. It was Auli Cravalho, I think you say it. And there's a couple of us, like the pig signed it. There's a few other ones as well. <laughs> <laughs> the pig signed it. That was a really great surprise. Thanks for that. You're welcome. I love that. Oh my gosh, now we need to say who today's episode yes, is sponsored by. And God, you've really blown me away. Today's oh gosh, this is nearly empty. E is it really? Yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Coro. Again, I'm I'm having the kombucha instead of monster again because the kombucha seems to sit quite well with my IBS symptoms at the moment where his monsters keeps upsetting us. So I have a nice 
Again, Lucy's <laughs> pouring absolute peasant portions. No, it's because I... I want, um, a de- I want a decent glass. We're not doing taste testing. Pour me a glass. No, but, but well, we don't have any left. Yeah, We've I'm gone finishing. Through it really it's fine. quick. Oh no, it is really good though. I mean, I've had kombucha for maybe like two years now. I just have it all, all the time, lovely. and I do believe it has health benefits. I really, really like kombucha. I think it sits really well in your stomach. And this one, I actually don't think this one is flavored, or no, it's got a slight a, ginger tinge, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But it's actually really nice because it's not too fizzy where it makes you feel like it's going to come out your nose. Yeah, you ever had quite, that? Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> it comes out your nose. And of course, we've got the snacks. <laughs> Our policy. I can't remember how long ago we filmed the other app, but that was full. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll, you'll know how quickly we've gone through those little peanut butter brittle things. That, that's empty. That's, you know, I think that just highlights how much we like. Mm. We like the little nibbles in the products. But we do have a discount code. Not so fit five. Not so fit five. If you want to grab a discount at Coro, like we really, really do rate them. I had to them. put another order this morning. You should see how much chocolate stuff I've ordered. <laughs> it's insane. That might arrive when we're away. You'll have to get more of those glass jars, put more of those chocolates in because I've ordered. I ordered chocolate apricots, <gasps> chocolate strawberries. I ordered the cookie clusters, the ones that we had first time. Yes. They're unbelievable. Devoured. P- salted, honey coated peanuts. White <laughs> chocolate covered oh, salted what? caramel pretzel. I think I ordered. Yeah, so they've obviously had a restock because we tried to order a lot of stuff last time. It just shows how yeah. popular like, everything is because the stuff just mm. goes really quick. And the vanilla cinnamon peanut butter. Oh my God. Almond butter. Yeah, delicious. So we'll leave a link and the discount code below if you want to grab those before they get out of stock because I think last yeah. time we spoke about them, a lot of the products actually went out of stock real yes, quick. So did. get your hands on those super quick. Also, we had a question about the challenge. Um, you don't have to be the challenges into our third week. You don't have to be... The My Coach School app challenge. Yeah, you don't have to be on the challenge or join the app. You can join the app at any time and, and join any of the programs, whether it's a basic program, one of the build and run programs, one of the lifting based strength programs, whatever it may be, you can join one of the programs at any time. And again, you can get a seven-day trial by using the code NOTSOFIT20 on the micro school app which again will be linked in the podcast description notes and the youtube channel yeah i think that's the thing with the app like obviously we host the we host no we host the podcast lucy we do the challenges because it's for accountability it's nice for members to do everything together but in terms of the app itself like it's your personal trainer in your pocket to be with you every single day so you can join the app whenever you wish and obviously as ben says start on a seven day free trial and then just see how you get on we won't be offended if you don't like it but you will so there you go so today's episode, we're going to do a bit of a Q&A again. We've had some really good questions this week, actually. Yeah. Okay. Mine are quite fitness. Actually, I think mine are all fitness That's specific That's probably quite today. a nice mix then because mine are a little bit mindset as well. So we've got fitness and mindset, which is what the podcast is about. Rock, ready? paper, scissors. So we're going to go. go. Rock, paper, scissors. Go. Go. Yeah. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Three, two, one, go. No. I always win. Yeah, but well, now it's my turn. Well, Ben's going to go first, which means he gets asked his question first. What we like to do with these as well is I don't know Ben's questions. Yep. So when he actually asks, and he doesn't know mine. So when we ask each other, we're kind of thinking off our own self in terms of questions we ask each other. But then we have a lot of research and show notes on the ones we've actually done yes. for ourselves. So first question that came over for the podcast is... How do I stop the perfectionist tendencies? <laughs> I feel like you're quite a good person to answer this though, kind of, because you are somewhat of a perfectionist when it comes to tasks and doing things. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely always been 
a perfectionist and I had I didn't have therapy just for that I had therapy for anxiety as well and I have done for a while but the whole thing about being a perfectionist is everything's quite particular like I'm a very particular person in terms of organization getting things done having tasks and having it all set out and when you're a perfectionist when something doesn't go quite to plan you kind of freak out and you think the world is literally turned against you and it could be something as simple as the meeting's been moved back half an hour and I'm like guys I don't know to panic the meeting's been moved back half an hour like what are we gonna do and it's actually really difficult because when you when you're very set in your own ways it is difficult sometimes to unpractice that but I'm quite lucky because I work with Ben and Cal who are not perfectionists they're still organized but they're not perfectionists so the you don't essentially get that stressed if something doesn't like instantly happen or if something changes yep. if a trend happens and you react to it and I've learned that off you two actually really well and become a, a lot more relaxed I think that's one of the best things you actually can do is talk to someone who actually isn't and pick up on some of their habits like my sister for example is very laid back yeah you're, you're you and your sister like chalk and cheese yeah you're, we're you're two opposites but then opposite. you and your mum and dad are very much the same where your yeah. dad's very chilled to the point of fall over yeah, and then horizontal. your mum's more like you are yeah. so yeah again i guess it balances itself out as well yeah i think it's just also i think one of the things actually i don't think it's a bad thing i just think sometimes when you are a perfectionist it can negatively affect your life sometimes yeah. has leaps of benefits it really does like organization being able to get things done tasks priorities having a growth mindset however can be really restrictive when things change so be open with your mindset and kind of realize that you are a perfectionist yeah. and then people can help you they can talk to you i mean it doesn't always help but i think opening up and actually having conversations with other people is really really important so i think the communication element i mean i probably can't give the best tips because i think it's quite personal because you are a bit of a perfectionist. Because I am a perfectionist and I still struggle with it now. So I would actually be interested to see. <laughs> Give us all your tips. So I've made some notes based on obviously seeing it from an external point of view because I'm not really a perfectionist. No, you're not. I just don't just give not. a shit really. No, I think you, I, I think a perf- you give I'm, a shit. I give a shit, but like I'm not a perfectionist. I'm going to actually... Do you know what the definition is? No, but... I've I view this from two different perspectives because some people are perfectionists when it comes to their health and fitness and their body and exercise and training, diet. Some people are perfectionists when it comes to work, task completion and that element of their life. So I think a lot of it comes down to when people are looking at bodies, insecurities, diet, nutrition, training. A lot of that comes down to self-care, I believe, and not enough self-love. I think that's yeah. where a lot of it can stem from because how many times do we like l- love something in life, whether it's clothes, work, whatever it is, but we we believe we're not good enough for it mm. because some, an item or whatever it is is something that we really value or it's something that we've wanted in life, but we don't feel worthy of it because we're not perfect enough for that object or that item or that exercise or that task or whatever it may be. And that's where the comments we give ourselves are very, very important. Like, for example, I don't know if you've ever done it before, but I definitely have, where I've, in a, in a store, for example, I'm buying a top. I used to do it with white t-shirts all the time, by the way, because I hated white t-shirts sitting mm-hmm. on my chest because of the pectus. So I'd be like, oh yeah, it looks great. I love that top. 
wanting to buy it, I go and try it on and be like, I just look like a piece of shit in it. I look terrible in it. My body's not good enough to wear it. And I'm sure other people get it with like man boobs or it looks a bit tight around the stomach or I look like a bag of shit in this. And you do it when you go to the changing room. That's one of the examples I can think of is where you value an item and you think that's nice and then you don't feel good enough for it. And then yeah. you let it, you let it sabotage your mind. Mm-hmm. And you let your thoughts get on top of you and you start picking apart holes in yourself because you don't think you're worthy of something. I think that's an underlying perfectionist thing when it comes to your body, the way that you look, the way that you you feel. And if, I think also that comes down from a very young age where we're led to believe that success comes down to having the perfect skin, perfect body, perfect features, perfect outcomes. Yeah, I think one of the things on that as well, because I actually looked at the definition. I mean, I'm not a pure perfectionist. As in, like, I'm not fully... There's definitely traits of I think, I think, perfectionism. I think you probably find a lot of people on, like, a scale. Yeah, so a perfectionist is someone who has a personality that strives for flawlessness. This is often accomplished through fixation on imperfections, trying to control situations, working hard, or being self-critical of yourself. So that's one of the things that you literally just said there, is perfectionists tend to spot mistakes and imperfections yeah. rather than looking more i guess at the positives in yeah. certain outcomes so that t-shirt example you love you you love the t-shirt you put it on but then you're looking at imperfections of yourself yeah it's obviously not helpful for anyone mm-hmm. because there's there's definitely nothing wrong with putting on the t-shirt and you would look great in it yeah but that's your own mind mind playing tricks, playing on, tricks yeah, on, picking on you and that's where it's all about redefining the body ideal and seeing failure as a must in order to win. I think when you're in the perfectionist mindset, you see failure as the worst thing in the world. But if you look at the most successful people in the world, especially for me, I've failed tons of times in business, training, workouts, whatever it may be. I don't know if you've seen that photo of like Disney, uh, Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos, when they're starting their companies and like little sheds, they failed. I don't know how many times Walt Disney failed at doing stuff. Mm. I think there's an image of it online you can pull up and see. And it's showing the failures of big entrepreneurs or people who have won big in life or business or whatever that has been. Mm-hmm. And how many failures they've had along the way. I think one of the other big ones is the Colonel for KFC. I think he took the idea of KFC to investors. It was it must have been over 40, 50 times. And he got knocked back loads of times because he said it was crap. And look at, look at where KFC is in terms of fast food restaurants now. So there's going to be a lot of failures along the way. And I think learning to realize that failures failures are a must and are very valuable is a realization in itself that you don't need to be perfect and get it right for the time. Yeah, 100%. And one of the things as well with perfectionism is people put a lot of pressure on themselves to perform or to do certain things. And what you have to remember is that the person who pressurizes you the most is yourself. You are the person who puts self, what's that word? Self-doubt. No. Um, more so, I guess, be kinder to yourself and practice self-acceptance. And just don't be too unrealistic and put these horrible, unrealistic expectations and pressures on yourself because you're the person who's doing it. That is something that I do so much of the time. However, something really interesting, and I am the opposite to this. Perfectionists can be notorious procrastinators giving themselves an excuse to slack off and they can't ensure that they do their work perfectly. Whereas I'm the opposite to that. I'm the least procrastinator. I would just get things done. So it's really interesting that you can definitely have traits or 
or be in both mm-hmm. realms because I'm no ho ho. Well, I say you're more of a procrastinator than me. I'm a procrastinator. We did a podcast on procrastination. <laughs> I'm a big procrastinator. Yeah. That's because not me being perfect. I just use other distractions to get away from the task that I'm supposed to be doing because it's easier. Yeah. But me and uh, sorry, me and Carl were speaking about this before. For a lot of people, it's like a self-defense mechanism in terms of when you when you pull a perfectionist card basically it can always be a way of stopping us from being hurt because mm. when you take action on something that then makes you vulnerable and if we don't take any action then we can't open ourselves up to be criticized or to be wrong yeah so therefore using the perfectionist card will stop you from taking action yeah so, so kind all, of like an excuse yeah it's like an excuse way. but more of a self-defense mechanism because you yeah. don't want to be open enough to be hurt so you're like oh, yeah, i didn't want to do right that word. because i couldn't yeah. i couldn't do it properly i couldn't be all in on it i, I didn't want to do that course because i couldn't apply my time to it properly mm. and i wanted to do it properly i wanted to do it properly that's the big one you hear quite often isn't it yeah i need to i need to do it like 100 mm. percent yeah and that's that, like that's that. what that's almost that all or nothing mentality mm. of well that comes into it so you don't allow for any gray area mm. magic's in the gray well, that's really interesting. That was a, actually a really good question because it can help a lot of people in different ways, I think, because you don't you don't have to categorize yourself as a perfectionist. You can have traits of different things and mm. that's obviously the important one to take note of because mine's definitely the one where I put so much pressure on myself to do things really, really well that there's like no room for error. Mm-hmm. But I'm getting way better at erroring and failing. I think, failing failing's great i think we all think that we want things that we don't what i mean by that is we think mm. we want unbelievable abs we don't we think we want to be absolutely shredded out of our minds we don't we think you want like massive biceps tiny waist big boobs massive arse we don't like at, at the end of the day most people just want to be a little bit more confident most people want to be a bit healthier mm. look good <clears throat> sorry look good and be happy yeah. We all think that we want the extreme. But when it boils down to it, we don't. Yeah, that was really nice. That was like a little poem. You could write that up. Shall I get tattooed on my arse? <laughs> no, you've already got one of those. <laughs> it wasn't a poem. <laughs> it was not a poem. Some shit all Sorry, that is so loud. But Ben, yeah. Ben's tattoo on his bottom is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Shall I get out and show you that? No, okay. absolutely not. Falaraki. Yeah, it's Falaraki, but half it's come off because when I was on the plane, it rubbed off my arse. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so question number two, which is well, coming, number one for you. Number one for me, yeah. What's the most actually this is a brilliant question. It's kind of sport related, kind of not. So I really wanted to include it. Mm-hmm. What's the most important lesson you've learned in life due to sports and working out, but as a young kid? So well, kind that's, that's a cool, good question. Because we both grew up in sport. Or we did well, our parents put us into put us into sport. God, that sounds awful. We did sport from a young age. Yeah. God, that's a hard question to answer. Did you want me to go first just to give you a bit of... No, because I'll be conflicted by the old narrative. It's the biggest thing I've learned from sport. Yeah. And also when you're... I know obviously you're going back like 20, 25 years. We talk about when you're kids and you know you get involved in sport from mm-hmm. a young age. Probably... That's really tough. Did you want me to go first? No. <laughs> I think you're, yours will be, you've spoken to me about it before, which is why I picked the question. 
we we will have the same answer it's the exact same thing we both spoke about and we said when we have kids we'd want them to learn the same lesson go on then. so we got into sport really young you were probably what four or five yeah i probably. was like two or three and right, don't do me don't you every angle <laughs> i was i was two or three <laughs> i was super young though it teaches you to lose you yeah, learn you learn to fail and it doesn't yeah. really matter to what extent because we spoke about it before in terms of when they give kids like sixth seventh eighth ninth tenth eleventh place ribbons that doesn't really teach you to lose and that can sound really harsh from my perspective however it one of the most valuable things that I learned as a kid in a skill is learning to lose mm-hmm. because it helps you when you get to the age that we are now. Yeah, I think we spoke about this before, haven't we? Because if the first time that you lose anything in life is at a later stage, that's where there's a lot on the line. Yeah. Mortgage, finance, cars, money, Business. jobs, relationships, businesses. There's, there's a lot more riding on that. And if you've mm-hmm. never experienced any losses in life when it gets to that point, then you're in for a fucking rude awakening. Mm. So I think it's a, that's probably one of the best points we've made is is definitely that that losses. I lost quite a few things when I was a kid and at first you just get choked up and start crying, acting like a little bitch about it. And then I was told about the importance of losing and mm. why it's good to lose. And also remember that for next time when it comes to it, like remember that hair, like your you're still climbing that mountain. You're still trying to climb from the top and take the number one spot and you've got to remain hungry to get there. So I think losing teaches you a lot because then when I was when I go into school, when I go into classes and stuff, you've experienced losing. You know yeah. what that feeling's like. You know how to deal with it instead of getting in a bitch fit about it. Yeah, 100%. And one of the things that I, I guess, like picked up on and the thing that kept cropping up when I was looking into this question more, because obviously we're not, parents yet so we can't say from that perspective yeah 100%. but talking from how we grew up in sport and our parents put us into multiple sports and we kind of found the one that we enjoyed the most with being in sport you can understand as a kid that you're not going to be the best at everything there's going to be kids who are faster stronger more coordinated balance a kid might be really good at archery and then someone else might be really good at sprinting or whatever it is and then if or when a child loses or loses, fails, whatever you want to call it, they it allows them to have the skill of empathy yeah. and the experience of losing. So even if you bring that to now or last year when our app didn't launch, it essentially had a failed launch. I think we coped pretty well with it, mm-hmm. to be honest, considering we were building this app for 14 months and we were told on the day it wasn't going to launch. I had a little cry. We were just like gobsmacked. And then we just picked ourselves up and yeah. we were able to cope with that situation. And that's a real life situation. And I personally think that's from, I did a lot of sport as a kid. Again, though, it's really hard because it might be biased because I'm I'm speaking from someone who grew up in sport. Yeah, but you're trying to evaluate your life experience and where you've learned to be able to deal with those losses from. Yeah. And... Oh, thought, chain of thought has completely gone out there. But it is a really interesting concept, isn't it? And it could so, be bias coming from us because we have yeah. always had sport in our lives and to some extent. I think one thing was with schools and stuff as well, though, is I don't agree with the whole fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place trophies. I don't think that teaches anything mm. to, to anyone. I don't think it really acts as a motivation. I don't think it really acts as a drive to do better next time. 
because they're like, I'm going to get a trophy anyway. It doesn't matter where I come. Yeah. And the other way in which I think kids are sometimes set up to fail is that they're not given a direction in to pursuing the things that they're good at and what their talents and their skills are maybe more geared towards. It's just like a case of a crack on anyway. I mean, I'm all about people continuing to try and working hard, but I personally think, and this may seem strange to some people, is that if there's something that you're not very good at and you've tried and tried, fuck it off. Put your time and energy into the things that you're good at. Don't try and be the... What's the, what's the terminology? Yeah, don't try and be the jack of all trades. Try and focus on and be niched into the things that you're good at because you'll get far more levels of success by doing that. And if you look at people in the modern world, people who have built businesses, it's it's being mega niched into something and pouring your energy and time into something that you're good at and leaving the things that you're not good at because you don't need to be good at absolutely everything. Yeah. You don't need to be great at science, English, maths. Like, I think the education system still fails children and the fact that they believe they need to be good at absolutely everything and they fail at one thing or that's life over no it's not mm. i was probably bang average at everything in school and there's a lot of kids who were in school who were pretty shit at a lot of things but really good at one or two things and they were never kind of really coached or taught to really hone those skills in to one specific area and i think if they would have done they would have done a hell of a lot better yeah i think that's really interesting because even so you have kids like sport who are really good at sport or really good at music, really good at languages. They should hone in on those things because they're really good at them and they probably really enjoy them. Like I hated maths. I really, really struggled. Honestly, add two and two and I'm thinking fucking hell is it seven? As a kid, I really struggled. And even through high school and things, maths was the one that I really, really struggled with. But obviously I was really sporty. So I put a lot of time into sport yeah and my, my dad for example he plays guitar and he bought me a med guitars when we were younger and we did our guitar exams hated it i couldn't <laughs> we still got the guitar sat at home and i'm just thinking oh my god i just i could not vibe with the guitar yeah. did the exams was so nervous i did the recorder and it just wasn't for me and there were some kids who were so musically gifted i was like you do that i'll do mm -hmm. the sports side of things and that is really important because you also you do want your kid to get enjoyment out of it yeah and not feeling that pressure from a young age. Cause I really wish I did not those, do those guitar exams. God, I can't remember it. My dad went to me yesterday, he was home. He was like, do you remember anything? I was like, no dad. I cannot like imagine ago. you even playing a guitar, you know. I've got an electric guitar as well. Look at the way you're strumming now. <laughs> what do you mean? There's no musical talent that flow through your veins whatsoever. I also did the recorder. <laughs> I really that's not even an instrument the triangle's <laughs> triangle. not an instrument no that that it's gets not. given that's to that's for the kid who's at the back who can do fuck well else. that was me standing at the back of a triangle Ben just hold this and just hit, hit at the back and smile yeah so sorry the point of this whole thing was that it is very very important to lose yeah in what I guess not even just sport because that's what sport taught me yeah but in any instance I think if you are a parent listening to this it's okay that your kid loses something or fails because it's going to teach them a lot of lessons yeah as they move through life and in later life. Yeah, I'm still a bad loser now, but I'm, I'm really, better. I'm not the best loser. I think that's because you're competitive though for yeah. sport. Again, that's something that's Yeah, yeah. Okay, question number two from me. Are there any exercises that are a waste of time? Really just throwing it out there. Big yeah. question. Big okay. question. Waste of time exercises. I believe... Oh, I can't even think off the top. And th th I know there is definitely... Okay. Do you want me just to kind of help you phrase this question? Yeah. 
for me personally, I don't think that there's any movement as going to be a waste of time, full stop. However, there can be exercise that will be a waste of time relevant to your goals. So for example, if your goal is to become aerobically fitter, okay? Yeah. Why are you doing reverse banded Smith machine press for 20, re- uh, 20 reps twice a week? Your, yeah. go- your goal is to get as strong as possible through bench, squat, deadlift, okay? Why are you starting each lower session doing leg extensions for 20 reps? Mm-hmm. So I think, I, I don't think you can categorically say there's an exercise which is a f- waste of time full stop, but I think there's definitely exercise which is like, hmm. I guess one that I don't really vibe with is more of like the fad ones that you see on Instagram where mm-hmm. people have created an exercise and called it like a lunge squat, bur- burpee squat press thing. Yeah. So they they say this is an exercise. I'm like, but that is not it. That is not an exercise. You've put three exercises, a burpee, a squat and press and a lunge into one exercise. That I don't agree with because I'm like, you're not actually doing an exercise. You're doing a sequence of three in one and called it something. Well, the reason why that's bullshit as well is because if you're holding the barbell like you can press with, you categorically are not getting any real tension with it for lunging with it, are you? Yeah. Or squat or squatting with it because you're not holding enough load if you can press it overhead. Yeah. So stop being a wanker. And a lot of the time people like it's it's part of a hit class or stuff like that. I think it okay, I understand. However, this is where injuries can start to happen when people are throwing weights around in an with incorrect form. Mm-hmm. So I don't agree with that. And then also the one that I can't really I get it, some people are just moving, is when you're holding dumbbells and you're punching. It's not really doing a lot, is it really? I get it, you know, you're working your shoulders, but also I don't understand it. I don't understand why. Yeah, increase your heart rate. I mean... But why... And that's a general question. You know what? I just... And this... I could be wrong. I've never even seen any boxers doing that. You know, you know, professional boxers. I could be wrong. I've never seen. This. I've never seen many holding dumbbells doing it. Because I can't imagine it being great for your shoulder. No, I can't. That's... So I think... You always see it in like the... I don't know what they're called. Like box hit classes. Yeah. I'm thinking... Okay, maybe to increase your heart rate and it burns your shoulders, but could you not just do shoulder press? So that's probably for me, they're the ones that I'm just a bit. I've got some examples and there are some movements that are more risky Mm -hmm. than others. And what I mean by that is sometimes it's good if you're going to go do an exercise and think, what is the the risk versus reward here when I'm doing this exercise? Yeah. So examples, anything behind the neck. So behind the neck press. behind the neck pull down why why are you doing that there's no there's no bigger reward for you doing that than there is just doing it in front where there's less risk where you're putting your rotator cuffs in less of a vulnerable position where probably for 90 percent of the people mobility doesn't even allow them to get it behind their head properly Mm. leave it alone why do they do it then just because they see it on Instagram Probably. and YouTube and yeah, like, I mean there's some benefits of doing behind the neck stuff, but most majority of people do not have the mobility, or the strength, and the rotator cuffs and the stabilizing muscle groups to be able to even do it. And plus, you can't put as much load for it right. either, so you're just capping yourself straight away. Yeah, I think that would be super. Uh, dum- dumbbell kickbacks. A dumbbell kickback? What's that? Dumbbell tricep kickback. Oh. Uh, I'd argue do a cable. Yeah. Just because you happen to hold your shoulder up again and do them. I mean, it's not the worst exercise. I'm just trying to offer better advice. Mm-hmm. Do a cable instead. Um, walking up a stairmaster doing glute kickbacks. Yeah, that's... Why? 
if you're trying to grow your glutes doing that, oh, there was a big argument on this. Someone put a post up about this, one of my friends actually, and I was backing 100% because she said, if you're doing kickbacks whilst walking on a stepper, yeah, you're going to feel your glutes because you're kicking back, but you're not going to grow your glutes. You're actually doing a form of cardio. Yeah. They're completely conflicting. And also you're not actually lifting a resistance. Yeah. And there was so much like hit back from obviously the people who do that. Because it looks good on Instagram. Yeah. Well, a lot a lot of this is, it's going to challenge people's personal narratives. Yeah. And you've got to separate that when it comes to your ego and then looking at, okay, it doesn't actually fucking work. It doesn't matter how much I like it. There's better there's better alternatives out there for me. And that's one of them. I mean, charging up and down a stair, master kicking your legs back isn't isn't rewarding if you one want to grow your glutes or two, you're looking to burn fat. Because if you're on a stair, master to burn fat, you can probably go faster and longer if you don't do the kickbacks and you're probably going to get more good growth if you just do kickbacks on a cable machine rather than doing it on a, a stairmaster it's probably going to be better for your hips as well i was going to say the position a stairmaster puts you in anyway you're not in the best and optimal position for your glutes anyway because you're bent over yeah and risk, and worth, really risk versus extension. reward you're going to look like an ultimate dickhead when you fall <laughs> off the stairmaster as well <laughs> um side leg press does fuck all Oh my God, I used, okay, used to going back like literally four or five years to think, to th- I used to think it was targeting my glutes. Yeah, just do, just do single leg leg press or do yeah. high foot leg press. Again, where I'm coming from with these is, like you just mentioned, I used to be one of the guys who did all these. I've done all these knobhead exercises. Well, when I say knobhead exercises, again, these are relevant to where people's goals are at. And then these are some of the movements that, again, risk versus reward or what you have to get out of the movement for the energy that you're expending to them probably isn't great. Yeah, and, so it could be used elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. And what we're trying to address is maybe what's a waste of time for the majority of people. Mm-hmm. Just remember that. Not all people, the majority of people. And again, probably another one. And me and Carl do them every week, but I'm going to say for most people, you probably don't need to do them is the uh, adduction machine. For most people, are you going to jump on stage and want to see that in a, in a thigh muscle? I, I'd even argue for a lot of females who probably do it, they think it probably makes the thigh gap smaller because that's what they're told on social media that they need is, is a, a fire gap which you don't by the way but a lot of people think it makes it smaller doesn't make it bigger yeah the adductor machine if you're listening by the way it's the one that's opposite so you've got an abduct where you're pushing your legs out and this one pulls your legs in and 100 percent, a lot of people think you will burn fat on your thighs by doing this but actually you're growing your thigh muscles so you're going to make your legs more muscly that's a really good point, actually, for a lot of people who are listening. That will not target you. You can't target thigh fat anyway. But that is the one that people seem to choose, isn't it, when they're doing like these five yeah. workouts? I think the thing to remember is for, for most exercises to keep it basic. Yeah, if, basic state. If it looks like something from a fucking circus act, just leave it there. Yeah. It's where it belongs, not in your routine. You're going to get injured. Yeah. Do you guys think that there's maybe a problem in that the basic exercises don't sell as well? as the one million percent ones. and so these people who are trying to sell these products to people unlike the my coach school which preaches the actual, yes carl the building blocks the basics they what? say actually do this crazy type and you'll get you'll get progress to look like me because i'm a genetic freak yeah that's what i was gonna say if, if someone is making money from it you you sure as hell know that the motivation is not to help it's to make till so that is do, so true, do, Cal. Do the shit we know works consistently and don't worry about what fucking Danny Donut in the corner is doing with his five million giant sets in a, in a mm-hmm. row and whatever crazy shit he's seeing on Instagram. And unfortunately, for a lot of people who do them, they're just conned into stuff by that people 
in a position of authority or just really li- listening to them. I, it's like that kind of when someone's got a white lab coat on, you think, oh, they know what they're talking about because someone's got a million followers and they know what they're talking about. What's it called? The obedience to authority effect. Mm. That's what the Nazis did. That's intense. It is intense, but that's what happens. Mm-hmm. It was a, there was a study done on it. I can't remember what it was called now. The obedience to authority. It's the one where they put the electric uh, buttons through someone. It was the Milgram experiment. To obedience to authority yeah basically most people have probably heard the milgram experiment i haven't it was where they sat a load of participants down it was to try and really find out about the nazi experiment and why people did terrible terrible things and it was due to just obeying hitler because they didn't want to die so milgram did an experiment where he had a participant in one room i.e a guy sitting on an electric chair there wasn't there wasn't And then they would bring participants into this other room, which was segregated off, so they couldn't see the person in the other room. And they said, "I think it was. I think the. I think it was along the lines of every time they get a question wrong, you have to give them an electric shock, and the shocks will go up in volts or electricity each time until it gets to like ten or something. I might. I'm probably wrong, but this is kind of rough, roughly what it is. And kind of by level eight, they're probably dead. Yeah." So they started going for these questions. The majority of people, I think, in the experiment got to the point where they were dead. Did and, they and, actually die? And even when they weren't even... I've, I've, Carl, I don't think I'm getting this died. 100% right if they were asking questions or not. I don't know if you got it up. But the majority of people kept pressing the buttons even when there was no response from the other room. Because the researcher told them, you have to carry on going. And that's what I mean. The, the obedience to authority was that powerful that they would just carry on. Did they die? Were they dead? There's no one in the other room. Oh, okay. One electric chair. Well, there's no electric anyway. Well, they the test and the theory. No. Yeah. <gasps> and that's what came out about the... Everyone thought the Nazis were absolute scum of the earth. Most of them were just soldiers obeying authority because they didn't want to die themselves. That is wow, yeah. Are you looking at that study now, Carl? Yeah, I'm looking it up. Uh, it seems like a, you've got the name right, perfectly. Yeah, the Milgram uh, experiment uh, yeah. investigating the obedience to legitimate authority. They found that when pressured by an authority, uh, an authority figure, sixty-five percent of people would shock another person, yeah. even to the point of death. Yeah. That's so but intense. it's the same with Instagram. People will look at these people with millions of followers and go, they know what they're talking about. It's And that's the reason why they will listen to that person is because they were a scientist in a room in a white lab coat telling them you have to continue. Mm-hmm. So do you think that like the modern day version of a white lab coat is just being ripped out of your mind with massive shoulders and massive chest? One hundred And having a big, a big following. Mm. When you mentioned three of those exercises, I was thinking, I know a specific influencer who I've since met and spoken to who is jacked out of his mind and told me to do behind the neck press, the behind the neck pull down. <laughs> And I was thinking, you know what? If I do it, I'm going to look like him. And clearly I don't. <laughs> but that's the thing, isn't it, as well? The people believe that. Clearly, if I do that, I will look like so-and-so because he does it. The thing is, though, when you look at a lot of people on social media who are jacked, ripped, good at something, they have spent years and years and years doing the basics to get to that position and then go, right, fuck me, what sells? What sells is what's different and what looks a bit out of the norm mm. and will pull people around the... Um, A, B, C, and I'll just take them straight to C, ignore the method, and they just use a stupid, shitty thing, and we'll try and get them there because it sells. I had a comment, you know, on because I used to just post workouts and then I only post them occasionally now. I remember someone said to me, Why are all your workouts like the same exercises? And this was for glutes. I was like, 
because that's what I do yeah. and that's actually what works. You don't need like these crazy ass exercises, especially crazy for your ass, crazy like a little pun in the joke there. And I remember someone said to me and I was thinking, but the basic of staples work and I'm not going to lie to you. So, yeah. I mean, it's probably why I don't post as many workouts because I don't have the ability to post like these different exercises. They will all look the same. Yeah. So I've nothing to suggest there for you because I don't post hit workouts and I don't do... I don't make up exercise and put them into one exercise, so yeah, probably. There's, there's tons of people who do that though, and there's there's tons of people on Instagram and online and stuff who do it. And unfortunately, we're just in this. It's trip. never going to stop. It'll always be there. I think it's just uh, this is where, as a consumer, you need to to understand what is right and wrong in a way, or what you wish to consume and what will actually work for you as a person essentially just don't be a sheep and just go with the crowd completely you have to put yourself first in certain situations and a lot of the time it is with your personal goals yeah there's there's tons of people i've discovered someone new recently i'm gonna do a video on them because i can't believe she's got like 2.3 million followers and comes out with the shit that she does i think that's the thing as well a lot of people are like oh why do you make these videos on people or like calling stuff out and i think it needs and requires more people to do it because people who aren't in the fitness industry especially fall for stuff like that all the time mm -hmm. if you're in the fitness industry and you're quite educated if, you might think oh well that's just everyone knows that honestly they don't i saw someone comment on uh one of our friends post the other day I think he did a it was a post about some kind of nutritional content or sugar or something. And someone commented who was a teacher on his post and said, We asked the students this week how do they know um like how many how many calories or how good a certain food is? And then the pupil answered, You you'd know by how many sins are in it. Oh no, that's yeah. really not good. If that's not fucking Weight Watchers culture just sipping into every orifice of this mm, of people's God. education. <laughs> Young kids as well. Yeah. Isn't that weird? You'd know by how many sins were in it. You'd pick that up. They'd pick that up from their parents. Yeah. 100%. You wouldn't, because it's not. You'd, you'd pick that up from parents, which is, education is always vital. Mm -hmm. Okay, so going on to my second question. This is a very common question, super common question. I think it's still important to always answer yeah. because we have a lot of new listeners recently on the podcast. Hi, new listeners. Um, is it possible to lose fat without losing muscle without tracking calories? So the whole idea of like body, body recomposition. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's exactly what I've done for most of this year, apart from the last two weeks, is body recomp. I, I mean, for me, most of the time, it's trying to maintain tissue because I'm not that arse about getting any bigger. But you can definitely lose body fat and build muscle tissue. You don't, I think the thing that a lot of people do is look at bodybuilders and go, I need to do a massive bulk and I need to do a massive cut. Mm -hmm. You don't. Because what people, most people do is they spend their life yo-yoing between cycles of bulking and cutting where people take it from extreme to extreme, which then just means you've got a hell of a lot of work to do and you don't spend much of life with any kind of real stability. Even if you're doing a bit of a bulk or a bit of a cut, there needs to be some kind of bridging period between the two. You can't jump back and forth all the time. And the amount of tissue you actually build from doing huge bulks of just eating shit and looking like a house for a few months but not being able to walk up the stairs or catching your breath and mm. sitting on the toilet dropping absolute bombs for months because you've got so much food going through your digestive system that it's just crying out for a little bit of a break. And then going into a cut where you're to the point of starving yourself for 
for months and months on end to the point where your brain doesn't even function anymore and you don't know your elbow from your arse end is not the the way to go for me i think the body recomp is a better solution for most people who are looking to add some tissue like simples of it let's look at the, the basics of a body recomp right you need some kind of resistance program for weight training preferably at least two or three times a week mm-hmm. hitting a protein intake of i don't know probably probably a gram per pound is probably a bit much for most people yeah not so probably 0.8 being in a caloric deficit doesn't have to be mega aggressive to start with potentially look at adding cardio in at some point healthy heart like it's not just all about body fat and muscles like you want to be healthy at the end of the day as well and i think the other one is don't do everything at once everyone's looking to get there as quick as possible i be on the lowest calorie intake train the most amount of days that they can and put cardio in there straight away and do everything at once for the mm. kitchen sink either. you wouldn't do that with any other activity or sport that you start would you mm-hmm. so why do you do it with body recomp yeah very valid points i have a few things to add yeah you can lose fat and build muscle at the same time but it will be a lot harder to do both rather than focusing one at a time so at the end of the day you need to understand that this is a long-term goal it's categorically not going to happen in one or two months it is a it is a longer term goal and i think you have to understand that you're going to have to have patience throughout the journey by the way so just intervene i'm not saying don't do periods of building tissue or cutting down like simultaneously you can't do that what i'm saying is just don't be mega extreme with it yeah because with caloric intakes you don't need to go into massive surpluses so the people who can more likely do this are complete beginners Mm -hmm. so if you've just started returning after time off whether it's injury or illness so you've had an extended period of time off if you're on pets Mm -hmm. if you're on peds oh yeah when i was on gear like i could just bang gym yeah eat eat whatever and put on muscle and lose fat yeah this is from a research paper so i i mean yeah i'm telling you from real life experience yeah i thought you would great and then also if you're actually starting with high levels of body fat it will be easier for you people who should not not as i'm not saying completely don't if you are this person but to try and not aim for this simultaneously are advanced lifters or when fat loss is wanted really quickly because you're going to have to be in a high calorie deficit solely or when muscle gain is wanted quickly mm-hmm. again you're going to have to be eating a lot of calories if you want it quick people who are leaner and those particular people who need a more aggressive deficit for fat loss because they're just kind of the two different differentiations because at the end of the day they're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum fat loss higher calorie deficit building muscle surplus or maintenance yeah. they don't lend them, the extremes don't lend themselves to each other yeah so it's absolutely not impossible what did you just do then i think that's the first podcast top jump on her oh no ben just bumped <laughs> So you you just like lifted up from the side, boop. <laughs> but no, they are on opposite ends of the spectrum, which is why we always say to people, we're very open and say, look, you can achieve this one hundred percent. A lot of people have. We've achieved this. However, you need to have patience because it's not a it's not a short term goal. And Ben gave the perfect points before, you know, about protein. You need to be doing resistance training, so progressively overload in different ways understand for one that is a slower process and then just obviously a slight calorie deficit because if you dive too deep into a deficit you're you're pretty much just yeah. going to be in a sole fat loss phase well i think one of the questions there on calorie deficits is can you do it without tracking calories of course you can that's how i've done most of this year 
it's just a case of if you don't want to track calories, if you can roughly guesstimate stuff and or look at your diet and continue to eat the way that you are now and either one, reduce portion sizes or two, what you have to do on a weekly basis if you're not losing weight is look at, okay, what can I drop out this week in order to bring my calories down a little bit without me knowing the numbers? So, okay, shall I drop a snack out or shall I reduce all portion size by a small amount and then that will bring me into my deficit and if I've lost weight next week or no. The other good thing a lot of time is to do is, and I've spoken to a lot of clients about this recently, is weighing yourself every day. Not for all people, this is healthy by the way because some people have a poor relationship with the scales, but if you weigh yourself every day for some people, most people, you'll be able to see data points from through the week because you could weigh in once a week and that one day that you weigh in per week is a day that you're at your highest weight and therefore you never see any lows for the week where you've actually lost weight. That's where it can be a useful tool, especially if you're looking at weight loss. But with body recomp, if you're putting on tissue as well, it can often mean that there's not a tons of change on the scale, but there are a lot of compositional changes. So don't forget to take your nudes. Yeah, 100%, very valid point. And then obviously just with what Ben said there about weighing yourself every day, you just take an average of the week or just take, or take your lowest point or take the lowest point why would you take the lowest point and not an average because that's the lowest point that you've hit so far so yeah you, you you've hit a new low in body fat so if you keep taking your lowest points each week mm-hmm. it's still valid yeah cool um so my last question simple one but i think very a lot of people have this similar feelings towards this how to get up easier in the morning that's an interesting question okay so i think obviously one of the most obvious ones is don't be on your phone until 12 1 a.m okay so so what you're doing pre-bed that is very important my pre oh yeah i think that's how i would get up early in the morning is not about getting up earlier getting up easier easier okay so not always early so you know if you feel like rough as toes getting up in the morning like you're trying to get up it's like looking out of piss holes in the snow you're just feeling groggy tired whatever Nighttime routine is absolutely essential. So one of the things is low light. So candles or a diffuser or some sort of, I've got a Lumi light and it's really great because it like flashes like a deep red. Before you go to sleep. Before I go to sleep. Listening to soft music. So I used to listen to just like sleep meditation music, read a book, just yeah, get off your phone, get off social media and then get a good night's sleep. I think that's a really beneficial way to feel fresher in the morning yeah then obviously no caffeine probably past like two o'clock three o'clock i mean yeah. three o'clock caffeine, it, caffeine has it. a half-life of is it eight hours six hours i think six hours is it? yeah so if you had it at i could three. be wrong double check out those cards caffeine half-life again yeah I so what, what, what that means is basically if you have a cup of coffee which is 200 milligrams of caffeine then five hours Five hours later, oh. it's got a, a half-life. So five hours later, you still have 100 milligrams of caffeine in your system. Yeah. So a lot of people, when they do actually have coffee at like four or five o'clock, that's still going to be in your system at 9, 10 p.m. at night. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what time you guys go to bed, but I go to bed at half past 10, and I think that's a wonderful time to go to well, sleep. Yeah, well, that's why I worry about people who, who... And it's hard for a lot of people because they have to, who train maybe at 6 or 7 p.m. Mm. and have pre-workout at 6 yeah especially if you're double scooping yeah, like 300 that's... milligrams of caffeine i mean yeah you're still talking about 11 12 o'clock and you've got 150 100 yeah maybe more milligrams of caffeine in your system yeah it's just it's hard isn't it as well because after work i'm you, you would feel fatigued a little bit that's where I'm, i know we take them at the moment but that's where for people who are listening by the way who are working nine to five which the majority of people are going to be doing nootropics are good 
Oh yeah, so really pre- good. Pre- me and Lucy use nootropics. I don't think we spoke about it on the podcast before. No. By my protein. Um, again, you can lo- use code MyCoachBenji or code LucyD to save discount. Mm. And basically, nootropics are a focus based pre workout. Really They're not well. super high in stimulants. You won't get a crash, and you won't feel like this big spike before. Mm. But they're more for focus. They were actually originally started being brought out as like gaming stimulants because they helped again focus. focus. And I use them all the time now because one, I don't like the crash that I get from having super high stimulants anymore. And two, they tend to be a lot better on my stomach as well. Yeah. So again, if you're that type of person who's got stomach issues or you you're training later on at night, it could be a good option for you. I think one of the things as well, just with the getting up easier, is having things laid out. So have whatever you're putting on, even if it's like a dressing gown to go downstairs in, yeah. have it laid out, have your coffee. I I put my cafetiere and mugs out on the side. So in my head, I'm like, oh, it's there. You know, my coffee's waiting for me to have it. I think that's a really good way to just prepare these habits in different ways and make it easier for you and have everything accessible when you're getting up. That is so strange. Why yeah. did Ben just itched his nose on the mic so firstly what i'm gonna say is Mm. it does sometimes it does not matter how much sleep you've had you can sometimes just wake up tired we all wake up tired sometimes when like sometimes again well what what will naturally happen when you wake up is that one your heart rate is going to be higher because you've gone from a resting state straight away to waking up heart rate's going to be higher breathing's going to be a bit quicker it's like starting the engine to your car just revving itself up to get to get warm so how do we do that without sounding like a bashed up Ford Escort in the morning. Like that's the that's the real goal, isn't it? Is mm. to is to wake up more efficiently and eat and ease our way into the day instead of being stalled into it. Because like this morning I woke up and felt anxious this morning. Heart was racing, felt shitty, bit jittery. So again, I think what you said the night before is always a big one. So I don't think you should be doing anything before you go to bed, which is too stimulating. So if you want to be relaxing chill go for a big piss squeeze out of number two <laughs> because you don't want to be pissing all night who poos at night though i'm sorry but I that's just not do, aren't they? don't don't do other <laughs> shit in bed bed should be for the purpose of what it's made for i.e you're either fucking in it sleeping in it or getting up from it <laughs> sorry it's laughing because it <laughs> and, and then write shit down is a big one for yeah. people to go to bed because if you've got Late something bed. on your mind put on your notes probably don't be on your phone writing it down yeah, yeah can can get a lot of ideas out of your head or get things off your chest which maybe sometimes you'll go to bed mulling over all the time stop playing foot on the table I just, i've got really stiff knees so i just fact, have to well, I haven't. i've got shins under it you know <laughs> i haven't got shin pads on today so there are things before you go to bed which are big but then in the morning again thinking about this before you even go to bed yeah is about morning gratitudes so what so ultimately like what are you getting up for why are you getting up in the morning what are you looking forward to in your day they're big things are what's going to help you get out of bed easier i think one of the things as well there because i remember we spoke about this if you i guess if you're struggling with your mental health that can be harder for people oh 100 yeah and it's more so these gratitudes don't need to be ridiculous things it could be i'm really grateful that the sky is blue today. I'm really, I'm about to have a really nice coffee. They don't need to be extortionate, do they? Yeah. They can be, but I guess they don't always need well, to be. 
speaking about mental health i started using the gratitude more when my mental health was really really bad mm. and when i was going through that really bad eating disorder phase and they helped me a lot because when there's negative things going on in life sometimes it's so easy to really really focus in on them and having those gratitudes to focus on in the morning think about things that are around me think about you think about friends family were real things that took my mind away from oh, this is the worst thing going on whereas i had a lot of positives going on in life i couldn't see them because they were just tainted by this thing that was going on my my brain yeah so um another thing again is obviously sleep so most of the time if you wake up feeling shitty or tired it can be due to REM sleep or not getting enough of it so it all starts with getting enough quality sleep firstly so trying to get 78 78 jesus who's sleeping for 78 hours seven to eight (laughs) seven to eight hours sleep is what's recommended it's not always possible for everyone Mm. it's not how it always goes down but seven to eight is is a good number to try and try and hit. I had nine hours of sleep last night. Everybody, how? <laughs> I don't know. We weren't even in bed for I nine hours. Checked. What were you doing? We were we were sleep. Oh, you sleep? Fell asleep watching Harry Potter downstairs. Ah, Did yes. You? I was just checking my whoop to see. I mean, I, I mean, nine hours is extra. I've never <laughs> nine hours in ages. Yeah. Seven to eight is a really really positive aim though so a couple of quick quick fire tips now oh gosh I thought you've asked your questions didn't foods before bed try not having something too he- heavy heavy carb i.e quick sugars it's just gonna make you feel stimulated mm-hmm. uh get enough water in before you go to bed but don't eat i mean don't drink enough so you're pissing like a racehorse all night i lucy davis hint hint i think i go to the toilet four times in the night yeah it was a good job i unblocked the toilet in there isn't it yeah <laughs> sleep sleep mode on your phone yes because if you have your phone on normal even if it just vibrate those small little vibrations and noises can, can easily wake you up from sleep but it dims it as well for you yeah. it yeah, makes it a bit light. orangey don't snooze don't snooze the alarm lucy davis so I'm going do you know why though do you know sneezing? why you'll just enter a new sleep cycle yeah and i'll disrupt it so every time you disrupt the sleep cycle it's bad so you're going to enter a new sleep cycle every time you're snoozing it. So you get like a little minute, eight minute window where your body's like, I'm going back to sleep and it's disrupted again. So try and not snooze the alarm. Get up. Um, How great is it though when you snooze and it's like, oh, yeah. I've got five more minutes. Morning. Don't do that though, guys. Morning. So food that you're having in the morning. I'm not going to dictate to people here like it's personal preference. Either yeah. have food or you don't. So if you want to fast, I fast. I enjoy it. Helps me get more shit done. And it makes it, Or if you're going to have something, don't have something in the morning, which is super high sugar where it's going to spike your insulin levels right away and then you're going to crash by the time you get into work or by the mm-hmm. time you start doing the tasks that you you want to do um try different drinks even if you've been a big coffee drinker for a while i've been having peppermint tea in the morning now because mainly my stomach doesn't agree with it so experiment with different drinks in the morning because some people have coffee and feel like shit from it mm-hmm. so don't carry on drinking it just because it's become habit habit yeah um get some sunlight in straight away increase your serotonin get your windows open and eat the frog. What's eat the frog mean, Lucy Davis? I don't know. Have, I sp- have you told me this? Yeah, we spoke about it in the gym this morning. Eat ah. the frog. Give me a clue. Get your hardest task done first thing. Oh, yeah. Like you knew it? Like, have we just spoke <laughs> no, about it an always, hour ago? I always eat the frog. Did we have that conversation? Yeah, in the gym. You don't want to do in cardio before weights. Oh yeah, okay, sorry. I so eat the frog first thing in the morning. All yep. that means is basically do your hard task when you've got the most energy and, and mental clarity in the day. So try and get it done first thing. And also it'll make you feel better because it's that sense of task completion as well. It's not always easy to do, but even if you do it every now and again. Um, and then the last thing is same same wake up times every day if you can. 
Yeah, that is actually a powerful one. Because otherwise, it just it just affects your circadian rhythm. It's also great for sleep hygiene as well, and your body just loves consistency. We'll also try and go to bed at the same time as well. Yeah. Any any, consist- consistency. any consistency around sleep is the best thing. I know it's not always possible because we have these things called lives, but as, as consistent as you can. It doesn't mean you have to have 100% consistency. Just try and be more but it consistent. Helps. Yeah. yeah. The final question, and I think this is a really good question, actually, because it can, I guess it applies to two things. So I can't train due to injury and I feel guilty. And I guess this is that two-sided sword where it's I can't train or due to illness. Mm -hmm. So I had a few questions about not being able to train and having the feelings of guilt associated to it. And it's a really tricky one, isn't it, with injury from the start, because we do need to say every single injury is different and personal, and some could be like a a lifelong injury or some could be a few months or or a week. It could be a small thing. So we just need to say it's, it's important to know that everyone's rehab and injury is completely personal to them. We're not physios. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was so long-winded. Can you just repeat just the yeah, question sorry. for me, please? I was just giving a little uh, disclaimer. Yeah. I can't train due to injury, and I feel guilty. What, the the singular best thing, I think, to remember with this type of question is, when you're asking yourself it, is perspective. Mm. And what I mean by that is, whenever something happens to you, it's the worst thing that could happen in the world. It is the worst. So I, and again, I don't mean this in a nasty way. I, when I got got that hamstring injury, I, I couldn't run for three or four weeks. Three or four weeks in the grand scheme of things and how long I'll be running for the rest of my life is like a drop in the ocean. And then I watched Matt Does Fitness, one of our previous guests. He's out for potentially up to a year with a uh, Achilles. Achilles rupture. And I looked at that and went, I'm moaning about hamstring injury i'm not saying by the way everyone's issues or problems aren't important that you should look at other people and go oh my issue doesn't matter because your issue does matter but sometimes getting perspective helps and the other thing by perspective what i mean by that is like i just repeated before is that let's look at your life cycle of training so let's say i think i've repeated this before let's say you train and this is being super sort of optimistic Mm you train 40 weeks in the year mm-hmm. in 10 years that's 400 weeks of the year yeah mm. at ten, at 10 years it's 400 i can't weeks. you're asking yeah? you ask the wrong and every ta- times that by five Kyle, quick math what's, what's five <laughs> times 400 uh, well, 2000 right? yeah but if people are training for 40 weeks in a year all right five times what? 400 20,000 20, so yeah you're let's just let's just let's just say for average if you did a lot of training you, you're training 20,000 weeks out of the air 2000 is it Five times 400, yeah so let's <laughs> let's say you're you're, you're training 2000 weeks yeah yeah it's a lot of weeks that's a lot of weeks and you've got to take let's just say four weeks let's just say you've got to take a month off mm. that's four weeks out of 2000 weeks that you've got to take off mm. How much impact is that going to have overall? How much? It's probably not a lot. Nothing. It's not going to do anything. No, it won't touch the side. So the fact that you've got to take this four weeks off, I know when you look short term, feels like it's the end of the world. But let's take a step back. Let's have some perspective. Let's look at things with a telescope rather than a magnifying glass. And let's really assess how much of an impact it's going to have if you just take some time off to rest and recover. Because a lot of time with illness and injury as well, 
you've got you've already got stress on your body from trying to recover then you're trying to put more stress on it from either physically or mentally mm -hmm. to get back in the gym and do stuff so rest up and take some perspective just from a personal note i took four months off when i had meningitis and look at me now i'm still a house <laughs> just saying it is really true though what you said there because when it happens at the time or an injury or if it's an ongoing injury and it's suddenly triggered you have to do what's best for your health and your body and at the end of the day rest and recovery always comes out on top because what usually happens if you don't rest and you don't recover i.e you don't take time off it's going to get worse yeah. and you'll probably end up taking more time off later down the line that probably could have been managed better and i think with injury it's really really important so if you're ill you tend to go to the gp you go to the doctor if you're injured people sometimes just don't do whoa i thought it was gonna fall some people just kind of ignore it or they try and fix it themselves i personally wouldn't recommend or they ask that for advice for people who don't know they ad ad ask advice for people who don't know yeah and we're very stern on that if someone asks us we say look we can't advise you sorry go and see a physio and i would advise that if you do have an injury that you actually want to be rehabbed properly and correctly and you'll come back stronger is to actually go and see a physiotherapist because they are the people who can help you it's it's their job at the end of the day and one of the things as well is doesn't i guess so yeah okay matt for example he could be out for an extended period of time but he's been training upper body so he's been working with his injury and what he's he do, yeah. what he can do he's learning to manage it now i have really bad hips one in particular and because i've managed my rehab so well i can categorize i can still run which is awesome and i can still train there's certain things that i can't i can't really squat at the moment it's fine no problem for this period of time i'll take out my program because i'm learning how to deal with my injury in the best way possible ben Sorry. it's really really off-putting what is good in the toilet <laughs> it's natural it's like the window side no i know but it just makes me laugh so learning to manage and train with an injury not against it it's not possible in every circumstance if it's like a whole body situation or something's gone wrong but getting that external help from someone can be really important and also i think it helps put your mindset in quite a positive direction because they always give you exercises to do and to learn from like deb's is a great example she's been out for what six seven months now mm -hmm. from a bike but she's doing her rehab every single day and it's getting better and better and better and she's improving in different ways even though she's not back where she was she's always improving so have a new focus i think what you said there is very important which one that about the, the about seeing someone to get guidance on getting better mm. because if you've got those steps you're still making progress which at the end of the day yeah. is what we all want to do and if you're making progress you're going to get those little wins that endorphin that serotonin release from making those small wins and making progress with your rehab yeah and i guess like if you can't train for an extended period of time work on things like you need you need to start now <laughs> Ben's bumping. Drive the escape. <laughs> Stop. Lose my trail of thought. I'm going to get a little bad. It just says I'm going to people on there. Stop. The joker has that joker card. He passes to people. Seriously. It might pass me and may pass with My trail of thought has just completely gone Sorry. in one ear. I apologize. My point there. <laughs> well, that was fake. My point there <laughs> was if you're out for an extended period of time, focus more so on nutrition. For mm. example, put your... Or, or pick up a different hobby, start writing, drawing, mm -hmm. 
play a musical instrument, I don't know. But if you can distract yourself in a different way and also do something else you enjoy, or if it is your fitness journey, focus a bit more on nutrition. Well, Start cooking me. more. Couldn't mm. run four weeks. Yeah. Use a bike. There you go. Perfect example. Just work around an injury is always the best thing. Yeah. As long as you're not putting the injury at yeah. risk. But as we said, go go and seek professional help. Yeah. That's, that's doctor, why they're there. Physio. See a doctor, physio. I'd always go and see a physio over a doctor with injury. No, but I mean, if people are ill and there's genuine reasons, oh, yeah. go and see, see a doctor. Yeah, 100%. So they were our questions today and I thought they were pretty fucking fantastic. Yeah, thought they were great. Is there any questions that you guys want answered as well when we do these future episodes? Please feel free to drop them into the YouTube video Mm -hmm. and we will check over them um, when we come into our next, sorry, our next Q&A podcast setup. Yeah, definitely. And as always, and we always appreciate it, is leaving reviews on the podcast. You can do this on Apple Podcasts. If you go to the search bar and type in the Not So Fit Couple podcast, then it comes up. We've been able to leave a review. I think it's the same with Spotify now. Then obviously YouTube, just subscribe because mm-hmm. all the fun stuff's on YouTube because look, hey, yeah. YouTube people. And also if you enjoy the podcast, you're going to enjoy the Micro School app. So oh, check yes. out the link, link out in the description. You've got a seven day free trial. Absolutely zero to lose. Yeah. And very lastly... Thank you to this week's sponsors, which yeah. is Coro. This is empty now. Yeah, absolutely loving them. Again, leave link in the description for those and a discount code of not so fit five. Have an awesome week and we will catch you in next week's episode. Bye guys. Bye.